Good morning and happy June, everyone. I'm Adam Wright. You are listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. It is a joy to be with you this morning. I don't know what the weather's like where you are, but here it's been raining and then not raining for about the last two hours. And so I hope that whatever the weather is bringing you right now, the love of God is brightening your heart and your home. And if you're already at work, your office as well. And uh, despite the weather, that you're having a bright day. Although I have to admit, I love I love a good uh, summer rainstorm. It's I've always enjoyed those. Let us pray uh, our morning offering this morning. And then in addition to that, because June is the month of the Sacred Heart of Jesus, I have another prayer for us this morning from Lanspergius the Carthusian. It's the prayer to the wounded heart of Jesus. And we're going to go through a lot of prayers this month to the Sacred Heart, but we'll talk more about that later. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your Sacred Heart in union with the holy sacrifice of the Mass throughout the world, in reparation for my sins, for the intentions of all my relatives and friends, and in particular for the intentions of the Holy Father, amen. O my most loving and gentle Jesus, I desire with all the affections of my heart that all beings should praise thee, honor thee, and glorify thee eternally for that sacred wound wherewith thy divine side was rent. I deposit, enclose, conceal in that wound and in that opening in thy heart, my heart and all my feelings, thoughts, desires, intentions, and all the faculties of my soul. I entreat thee by the precious blood and water that flowed from thy most loving heart to take entire possession of me, that thou may guide me in all things, consume me in the burning fire of thy holy love, so that I may be so absorbed and transformed into thee that I may no longer be but one with thee. Amen. We dedicate all of our thoughts, words, and actions to the greater glory of God in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, as we just mentioned, it is the month of the Sacred Heart. So many great feasts are going to happen this month. Uh, We have this coming Sunday, Pentecost, which is actually what we're going to spend most of the show talking about today. And then after that, we have Trinity Sunday. And then after that, we have Corpus Christi, the, the solemnity of the body and blood of our Lord. And then on the 24th, we have the Feast of the Most Sacred Heart of Jesus. You know, and it, it's just a month that is absolutely wonderful and filled with beautiful, beautiful feasts for us to celebrate. So, you know, it's fitting that we would change our prayer routine just a little bit to take into account the seasonal feasts that happen. You know, just as we change our prayer in the month of Lent, just as we, ch- or not the month of Lent, the season of Lent, just as we changed our prayer in the month of May to increase our devotion to the Blessed Mother. This month, we can change our prayer to increase our devotion to the sacred heart of her son, our Lord Jesus Christ. And so how do we do that, right? That's that's the uh, question before all of us. Well, it might be a good starting point to take one of these prayers. If you go on the internet, you know, and this is what I do to find these great prayers, and you just type in your search engine, prayers to the sacred heart, EWTN, 
You know, their, their website will come up, and there are all these wonderful prayers. I was just reading one, an offering of the hearts of Jesus and Mary, the salutation to the heart of Jesus and Mary, novena prayer to the Sacred Heart, which we've prayed several times on the show before, the prayer we just read, the uh, prayer to the wounded heart of Jesus, act of consecration to the Sacred Heart, meditation novena and offering to the Sacred Heart, beads of the Sacred Heart. The list goes on. All these great prayers that you could start by adding one of those to your daily routine. I like this prayer we just prayed, the wounded heart prayer to the wounded heart of Jesus because it fits in very well with our morning offering. You know, the morning offering, the prayer we pray is just one formula for that. You can pray the morning offering any number of ways. The whole point is to offer your day to our Lord. And even when we do that, when we do that, how we've been praying it, O Jesus, through the Immaculate Heart of Mary, I offer you my prayers, works, joys, and sufferings of this day for all the intentions of your sacred heart. So even in that, we have devotion to the sacred heart. Now, beyond that, this Friday is First Friday, which is a wonderful, wonderful thing. And if you are not familiar with the devotion, it's simple. Um, our Lord asked St. Margaret Mary Alico to promote this devotion. He made several promises to her. But what we are asked to do is to go to Mass to receive Holy Communion in a worthy manner, which means you might need to get to confession if you're not in a state of grace. And if you're in doubt, just go make a devotional confession. There's no harm in going to make a devotional confession. You know, Now, don't be over-scrupulous and go make one every day if you don't need to, but there's nothing wrong with every three or four weeks making a good devotional confession. So anyway, back to the devotion to the Sacred Heart on First Fridays. Go to Mass, receive our Lord in Holy Communion, and then pray in honor of the Sacred Heart and in reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart, which we will do Friday morning as part of our Roadmap Roundup. From there, you know, maybe intentionally pray something as a family together at dinner time. You know, maybe in, do an enthronement of the Sacred Heart. You have to look that up because there's a lot of steps you have to do to that, and I'm hoping that we're going to get someone on to talk about that this month. I, I have already sent out a request to someone who I think would be great to talk to about it, and I hope to be able to bring that to our show. Now, while we're talking about all of this, I would be remiss if I didn't mention that Saturday is First Saturday, and, and the two hearts are so closely linked. On Friday, we honor the Sacred Heart of Jesus. On Saturday, the Immaculate Heart of his mother. And, you know, I love that quote. I've, I've said it before. I'll say it again that, you know, it would be easier to separate the light and the heat from the sun, the sun up in the sky, uh, the big star we call the sun. It'd be easier to separate the light and the heat from the sun than it would be to separate the Blessed Mother from her son, our Lord Jesus Christ. So for that, on Saturday, again, make a good confession. Go to Mass, receive Holy Communion, pray the Rosary, and then meditate for 15 minutes upon the mysteries of the Rosary. Now, first off, the prayers are efficacious. Second off, our Lord and the Blessed Mother asked us to pray them. Third, there's also fruit for us and that it helps keep us grounded. And we talk about how often should you make that devotional confession if you're not in a state of grave sin. Well, the Blessed Mother says, make a good confession, receive Holy Communion at Mass, pray the rosary, and meditate for 15 minutes upon the mysteries of the rosary. For me, that says, make a good confession at least once a month on the first Saturday. On the show today, we're going to be talking with Noel Garcia about a question that is asked more and more in our day and age. How do we know that God is real? 
Following that, we're going to go on the road to visit with Archbishop Mitchell Rosansky from St. Louis to talk about Sunday's Feast of Pentecost and what we need to know and how we can put the fruits of the Holy Spirit to work in our lives. And then finally on the show, we're going to talk about discernment today with Father Timothy Gallagher, a priest. He's an oblate of the Virgin Mary. And, you know, we often say, well, just do what the Holy Spirit leads you to do. Follow the Holy Spirit. Well, what does that actually mean, and how do we do that? It's a complicated question, and Father Gallagher is going to get us started with it. That's what's up ahead on Roadmap to Heaven today. Before we get to any of that, let's go to Mike Roberts for the weather. Today is the memorial of St. Justin the Martyr. Born in Samaria around the end of the first century, his father and grandfather may have been Roman diplomats. As a young man, Justin had a thirst for philosophy and a desire to know about God. It took him some time, but he eventually found satisfaction studying Plato. It was then that he crossed paths while walking one day near the seashore, and he spoke to a man there about Christianity. This conversation would lead Justin to become a Gentile convert, teacher of his new faith, and the very first Christian philosopher. Justin became an apologist, defending the Christian faith using sound philosophical arguments. Most of Justin's writings have been lost, but his first apology survives, and in it, he makes an attempt to convince Roman Emperor Antonius to bring an end to his persecution of Christianity by showing that its logic could not stand up to sound philosophical reasoning. It was during the reign of Antonius that Justin went to Rome and started a new school, teaching philosophy and Christianity. There, he began to attract a great number of students, but eventually he was arrested with several of his students and companions. Then he was condemned along with them and beheaded around the year 165. St. Justin the Martyr, please pray for us. I'm meteorologist Mike Roberts for Covenant Network. Have a blessed day. We are back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. And if you have been paying attention to what's happening in the world, not just for the last week, but really for the last several years, you'll see an increasing influence of our secular culture. A lot of people asking the question, how do we know that God is real? When we look at the suffering in the world, we look at the evil acts that are committed in the world, the atrocities that happen in our lifetime. You know, many look at that and at those things and say, how how can you say that God is real? And it's a question we need to be ready to answer, not just to evangelize others, but there are going to be moments, friends. You know, I've had my moments of doubt before, and, and I've asked God, show me that you're real. You may have those moments, too. So here to help us with that is a wonderful Catholic speaker and recording artist, and, and I think most importantly, wife and mother of six, Noel Garcia, who travels throughout the country sharing her faith through witness, scripture, catechesis, and music. Noel, it's so good to have you with us today. Thank you for having me. I'm sitting out in my car in my driveway away from those six children that you mentioned. <laughs> <laughs> Sometimes that's the only place to get quiet, right? That's right. <laughs> well, Noel, I mean, that's really the question before us today. There, there are so many that look at what's going on in the world, not just this year, not just this week, but the, the past several years, the past several decades, and they say, how can you Catholics— say that God is real. And and I think, if, like I said, if we're being honest, that's probably a question we've asked ourselves at some point. God, how do I know you're real? So I want to turn it over to you because you've got some thoughts on how we know that God is real. Sure, yeah. So when we're talking about do we know God is real, we're really addressing several questions because you can take the scientific route and, you know, Father Robert Spitzer has a lot of um, writing on on metaphysics and 
physics and all the big words that I don't know, um, where he can say, he could talk about how the world was created and Big Bang and all of these kinds of things, or um, even the, uh, what he calls the uh, near-death experiences, where people have been pronounced clinically dead, and then they have experiences of incredible joy or things that they don't even have the human words to describe, um, all that scientific data. So you can go that route. Um, but then another question you're trying to answer is, what about suffering? How can a God who is love and a God who is all good allow the types of suffering that we see in our world, which almost just make you think, what is this all about? Can somebody just mote us now? We we failed the human experiment, right? Um, but then, And then the other question is, how do you personally know that God is real? Um because we could look at all the scientific data, and we might be convinced by that, but ultimately, a God who is love has to be a God that we've personally experienced. Um, so each of us, if we call ourselves a disciple, or we call ourselves a believer, a Christian, a Catholic, we have to have had that personal experience with Him. Um, it's not just about facts and proofs. It's about, I know that He's real because my life is different since I have come to know him. You know, you're taking me back to when I first read Jesus of Nazareth, volumes one, two, and I think there's a third one, but if there is, I haven't read it yet. But I go back to one of, one of my spiritual all-stars, Pope Benedict XVI, who could write treaties after treaties and academic paper after academic paper about what our faith teaches about who God is and how we know God is real, but at its core, he he would say that if we don't have exactly what you're saying, that relationship with Jesus, if we don't know who Jesus is, if we don't know who the Father is, if we don't know who the Holy Spirit is and how they are working together in our lives, that academic pursuit is worthless. It has no value if we don't actually know who God is and what he's doing in our lives. Right. Right. I, I mean, it's, you know, my husband and I, we like to joke that we met on um, CatholicChicks.com. We didn't. <laughs> um, actually, one time my husband and I, were, we were sharing how we met. Um, we did meet online on a Catholic dating website, but um, he's, and he throws out, yeah, I met my wife on CatholicChicks.com, and we were at a, a confirmation retreat, and all these teenage boys come up with their phones. They're like, there's no such thing as CatholicChicks.com. <laughs> I said, David, stop saying this. Um, but he's, he says, you know, we we read each other's profile, we'd had a chance to send emails back and forth, and we even had a chance to talk on the phone, but that's no substitute for actually being in the same room, talking to each other. You know, there, it's, it's not just a, a head knowledge, it has to be an experience. Um, you know, we couldn't have progressed in, in our relationship until we actually had met face-to-face. Uh, and that's one of the things that's amazing about being Catholic is because is that we have the sacraments that God knows that we need to see Him face to face. We need to hear Him. We need to experience Him. We're not just spirits, but we are body and soul, and we can encounter Him in the sacraments in a physical and spiritual way. Um, and so, being able to to move from you know I've heard about God, I've heard about Jesus, you know He seems like a nice guy to a powerful um, experience of Him and getting to know Him, getting to know how He speaks to you individually. Uh, and it's different for other people, right? Because He knows that we're different and we're individuals and He created us. Um, getting to that point where um, 
he he becomes not just somebody you know about, but somebody you are in a relationship with, is is the journey of of a disciple. Um, but it's easy for us to to forget those experiences. I, I was listening to um, the Bible in a Year with Father Mike, and we were going through the uh, the journey of the Israelites in the desert, and how quickly they all forgot the miracles that God had done in their lives, and. And I was thinking to myself, like, yeah, when when the next suffering comes up or the next hard thing, I forget everything that God has done in my life up until that point. And I'm like, oh, you've abandoned me. You know, where are you? And and just um, uh, trying to, to keep in mind as, as part of an active part of our prayer life, those experiences that you knew God was real in this moment. Why did you forget now? You know? Exactly. Well, friends, we have an, an important feast coming up this weekend, the Feast of Pentecost. And in the Feast of Pentecost, we recall when our Lord gave the Holy Spirit to the apostles and how they went out and changed the world and how you and I receive those exact same gifts in what? Our confirmation, as Noel said, God reveals himself to us so that we can know him through the sacraments. So when we come back from this break, we are going to actually be talking with Archbishop Mitchell Rosansky about how we can put those gifts into play in our own lives and how we can use them. We're also going to be talking later in the show with Father Timothy Gallagher about discernment of spirits and how we can discern where the Holy Spirit is leading us. But before we go to the break, I do want to say thank you to Noel for being with us this morning. And if you'd like to hear more from Noel, and you're going to be in the Westphalia, Missouri area, she's actually going to be there on Sunday, June 5th and Monday, June 6th. There's an event for adults and young adults the afternoon of June 5th and for youth and young adults on Monday evening, June 6th. For more information on this, you want to go to stjosephwestphalia.org. That's stjoseph. W-E-S-T-P-H-A-L-I-A dot O-R-G, stjosephwestphalia.org. Noel, thanks again for being with us today. Our best to David and to your kids. Friends, we're going to take a break. Don't go anywhere. It is always a joy to be at the Cardinal Regali Center talking with Archbishop Mitchell Rosansky of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. Archbishop, it's good to be with you again today. Adam, thank you for the opportunity. Great to be with you. We are getting ready for Pentecost, and as we begin, I'd like to read this passage from the Acts of the Apostles. When the time for Pentecost was fulfilled, they were all in one place together, and suddenly there came from the sky a noise like a strong driving wind, and it filled the entire house in which they were. Then there appeared to them tongues as of fire which parted and came to rest on each of them. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in different tongues as the Spirit enabled them to proclaim. Now that's from Acts chapter 2, verses 1 through 4, and it's an account of what happened to the apostles in the early church, but it's still relevant today. What is the first thing that comes to your mind when you recall this passage? The one thing that really strikes me is that the good news could not be locked in a room. That when the Holy Spirit came the news of the resurrection had to be told. It was something that had to be shared with others. And so the Holy Spirit gave the apostles the courage to go outside of that locked door and really to take that message to everyone who would hear. And Pentecost, we call the birthday of the church. So that 
uh, reading brings to mind, that's when everything came together. The apostles had the courage to go out and preach the good news. There were hearts that were willing to listen. There were many who were baptized. And from that time on, that's who we are called to be as church. So that's why it is the birthday of the church. Perhaps this is my uh, background as a liturgical musician coming into play, but I often think of singing many times at Confirmation and Pentecost, when the Holy Spirit comes to you, you will be my witnesses. And Our Lord is very clear when he says, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit comes upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem, throughout Judea and Samaria to the ends of the earth. What's that message for us Today, I mean, it's easy for me to think, well, you're the archbishop, you are called to be a witness, and uh, the, the priests and the pastors are called to be a witness, but what does that mean for all of us in the church? When I think of those words, I think of the Holy Spirit and the promise that Jesus gave to us to be with us always. And so Pentecost is not just an event that happened 2,000 years ago. Pentecost is an ongoing event. And we as the church throughout the world uh, really celebrate the gifts of the Holy Spirit given to us, Jesus' promise fulfilled in his resurrection and his sending of the Holy Spirit that we can carry on his mission in the world. Pope Francis in so many ways reminds us of how Jesus has commissioned us to go forth and bring that gospel message. And so the Holy Spirit gives us the courage, the strength to witness to what we believe that Jesus indeed has died, is risen, and will come again, and we're called to carry on his ministry until he returns. We have a very diverse listening audience, everything from metropolitan to suburban to rural listeners. And as we look around, I think the follow-up question to that is, where are we called to witness and who are we called to witness to? I, I know in the life of the church right now, this is a very big question with the Synod in Rome, with all things new here in St. Louis. But as we look around our local community, um, where, where am I called to go? Jesus says to the disciples, go into the whole world and preach the good news and baptize all nations in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit. And that commission that Jesus gave to his apostles really comes to each one of us. The Holy Spirit that was given to the apostles at Pentecost is the same spirit that's given to us. So that evangelizing mission is really placed and entrusted to us. So we are called to be his witnesses everywhere we go. And some people don't believe that others look at our example, but you would be surprised how many people watch for our example as Catholics, as to what we say and do, how we react to different situations, how we treat others. Our witness is very powerful, and so we are called to bring that good news everywhere, maybe not speaking about it all the time, but by the witness of our lives. So the way we treat those around us in line at the supermarket or if we're out on an evening walk through the neighborhood and, and we pass by a neighbor, that's the mission field we're called to witness in? And the church parking lot, too. All right, and the church parking lot, too. I love it. Now, we've mentioned a few times the gifts of the Holy Spirit, and just to recap for those who are saying, oh, yeah, gifts of the Holy Spirit, we, we've talked about this before, the handy acronym WUKPUF. 
wisdom, understanding, counsel, knowledge, piety, fortitude, and fear of the Lord. If I'm honest, Archbishop, I would have to say that sometimes I forget I've been given these gifts. I think back many years ago, Bishop Paul Ziffel confirmed me at St. Francis of Assisi Church down in Oakville, and I received those gifts. What would you say to our listeners about the importance of turning to these gifts of the Holy Spirit and how we can use them in our daily lives? First of all, we have to believe that when we are given those sevenfold gifts of the Spirit, that it is Jesus himself who commissions us to use those gifts of the Spirit. And so if we remember that each and every day in prayer, as we go about our daily routines, that's when those gifts of the Holy Spirit come in, uh, particularly for our young people in discerning their vocation in life, in asking God to give to them the wisdom to set before them, where is God calling them to go? Where is God calling them to, to be his witnesses? And that is for all of us. Jesus asks us each day to use those gifts wisely, whether we're conscious of them or thinking of them, or whether or not, those gifts are still with us. Remember, they're gifts. They're given. They're given freely by God to each one of us. It's up to us to use those gifts that God has given to us. This is a message that is particularly relevant right now for many of our young people in the archdiocese because I, I can't help any weekend, but see on my social media feed, the Archdiocese of St. Louis is live right now, and there you are in the beautiful Cathedral Basilica, usually with Bishop Rivetuso administering the Sacrament of Confirmation, and so many young people are receiving those gifts of the Holy Spirit. What's the message that you share with them when they receive their confirmation? First of all, it's the message that they send to me. For Bishop Rivetuso and myself, we have confirmed just this past weekend almost 600 young people. And what a powerful witness it is to see those young people in our cathedral basilica with their families and their pastors and their priests and those who are on their parish staffs being there supporting them in this rite of confirmation. And I remind the young people that God calls us to be persons of prayer, to be persons of service, that the service projects that are performed leading up to confirmation don't stop with confirmation, that God calls us to be a person of service all of our lives, just as Jesus was in service to others. And thirdly, and I think very, very importantly, along with prayer and service, is that learning about our faith does not stop merely because we're confirmed. Our faith is so deep, so rich, that we can learn something new each and every day. So a person who knows his or her faith can live his or her faith, and that's so important. Prayer, service, and learning. We mentioned it's easy to think of you as someone called to go and witness to the world as a successor to the apostles, which I can imagine that must be a weight around your shoulders or on your, on your shoulders sometimes to think that you are a successor of the apostles. But really, I imagine the decisions you face might be different than the ones I face. But when I look at where am I going to send my children to school? 
what am I going to do to provide for them? Should I take this new job opportunity? Not that I have one right now, uh, just to be clear, but I've been in that position before. And perhaps several of our listeners are asking those same weighty questions in life that can have big impacts not just on themselves, but on their families, those around them. And perhaps uh, I think of a stone in the lake with the, the wake circling out and spreading even more. How do you call upon the Holy Spirit when you are faced with tough decisions or decisions you know will impact a great number of people? I begin each day with my time before the Blessed Sacrament in prayer. And that's where I go to the well to get that strength, that energy, that wisdom. It's in prayer before our Lord in the Blessed Sacrament. And I think each of us as committed Catholics are called to be a people of prayer. So there's where it starts, really. That's the, that's the impetus for the day, to be with the Lord, uh, to present myself to the Lord, to ask the Lord to be with, with me throughout the day in all of my decisions. And from there, then the energy is renewed to go out into the mission field, to make those decisions, to know that the grace of the Holy Spirit uh, is with me, and relying on that grace, that even in those difficult decisions, knowing that that grace is there, those decisions can be made. Finally, I would like to ask, um, how do you hope the Holy Spirit will guide the Archdiocese as we move forward in the next phase of All Things New? I know uh, we're just recently wrapped up the survey portion of things, and there's going to be the evaluation of the answers from the surveys. Um, we have a process ahead of us, but how do you hope the Holy Spirit will guide us? In 2026, we will celebrate the 200th anniversary of the establishment of the Archdiocese of St. Louis. And what a rich and wonderful history we have. But as a people of God, we know we cannot rely merely on history, that the church is dynamic, the church is ever new, as Pope Benedict reminded us, the church is ever young. And so we all need renewal. And that's why Jesus has sent to us the Holy Spirit to renew the church. And as we approach our 200th anniversary with all things new, we look back on our rich history, but we also say, how do we present the gospel today? Perhaps to a world that is much more secularized than it was in the past 200 years. Perhaps in a world that's much more skeptical about church and about authority and how authority is exercised. All Things New is a call to, first of all, renew ourselves individually in our faith. And in being renewed individually, how do we then make our faith real for others? So it's not only a diocesan process, it's a personal process. And I thank all of those who have taken the time to fill out the Disciple Maker Index and to fill out our Catholic Schools Survey because that really helps us in discerning what the future is about. Pope Francis has begun the Synod on Synodality, and Synodality is all about discernment, listening to the promptings of the Spirit, seeing which direction the Spirit wishes to lead us. And so I pray that for our Church of St. Louis, we're always open to those promptings of the Spirit and doing whatever we can to bring Christ's message of renewal and hope 
uh, especially to those who need to hear that message and welcome them into our church. Well, now I feel the weight upon my shoulders, too. How, how is Adam Wright going to go out and share the good news of the gospel and witness to others in the faith? Archbishop, I would like to thank you for this time you've spent with us and our listeners today. Could I ask you to offer a prayer? Certainly. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. Loving and gracious God, as we continue the celebration of the resurrection of your Son, as we look forward to that celebration of Pentecost, the great birthday of your church, renew our hearts so that we, like those first apostles, may follow your will in bringing your words to others. Lead us in those paths of truth and peace that only the Holy Spirit can give. For in following the promptings of the Spirit, do we know your will and can we bring your message of life, of peace, of hope to others? For we pray this through Jesus, your Son, Lord and Savior, forever and ever. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven this Wednesday morning, June 1st. When we come back, Father Timothy Gallagher will join us by phone, and we will be talking about how we can discern what the Holy Spirit is trying to tell us. Stay tuned. Welcome back. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven here on Covenant Network. We have all been faced with big decisions in our life, and I'm not talking about where we're going out for dinner on Saturday evening or what day we want to go to the baseball game or something like that. I'm talking about those questions. Should I leave my job to take this new job opportunity? Should we buy this house in this neighborhood? Should we invest our time and our resources in this? Where should we send our children to school? How are we going to raise them? All of those big questions in life, we faced one of them at some point or another. And as we think about the Holy Spirit, we think about Pentecost and everything we're talking about this week. The question becomes, how do I discern with the assistance of the Holy Spirit? Everyone says, well, ask the Holy Spirit to guide you, but how do we actually do that? So today we are happy to be joined by the St. Ignatius Chair for Spiritual Formation at St. John Vianney Theological Seminary in Denver, Colorado, Father Timothy Gallagher, a priest of the Oblates of the Virgin Mary. Father, it is so good to have you with us today. Oh, I'm happy to be here. Thanks, Adam. Well, let's let's dive right into this, because I know we don't have a lot of time, and this is something we could fill volumes with. When we are trying to put that into practice, we've all been told, use the Holy Spirit to help you discern these big decisions in life. We say, okay, that's great. Where do we begin? Well, I think a good starting point is in learning to recognize the signs of the good spirit, as Ignatius uh, calls God, his angels, all the work of grace within us, and then uh, of the enemy, as he calls the, it's the classic triad, uh, the world, the flesh, and the devil. So learning to recognize the signs by which we can understand whether something that we're feeling or a way we're thinking about something is actually of the good spirit that is of God, or whether it might be of the enemy, and therefore uh, something that is ultimately intended to discourage us and hinder us in the in the spiritual life. And a good place, I, probably the best place, I think, in our entire Catholic spiritual tradition to learn this is a set of 14 practical guidelines, which St. Ignatius of Loyola crafted. He calls them rules to help us distinguish whether it is the good spirit or whether it is the enemy, and in either case, 
to know what to do about it. So he, he gives us a basic instruction, which um, thousands and more people now use these rules than ever before, I think, in church history. And um, and they bring a lot of clarity, and then they give us tools, as I say, to know how to respond to it. So I would say that's a great place to start. Would you be able to give us an overview of what those 14 rules are? Sure. What Ignatius does in the first two of them is to explain how the good spirit and how the enemy work, firstly, in the person farthest from God, living a life of confirmed serious sin far from God. And then from his second rule on, he looks at the the kind probably people who might be listening to us, Adam. You know, people who, yeah, we all have our, our weaknesses, but people who are people of faith, love the Lord, are trying to live good Christian lives. And then in that case, um, which is the case for all of us, how the enemy will work to try to discourage us and how the good spirit will work to try to encourage us. He then describes the two key spiritual movements in our hearts and thoughts to notice and name, and that is spiritual consolation, joy in the Lord given by the good spirit, and spiritual desolation, discouragement in the spiritual life, which I may say it reverently, there's a lot of that around now, so these rules become increasingly important. And then what he does from the, in the last ten rules, now that the groundwork is laid, is give us tool after tool after tool, above all to know how to recognize and respond to spiritual desolation. When we get disheartened, discouraged, don't feel God's closeness, consider regressing in the spiritual life. And I'll just mention one to begin with, it's his famous rule five, eight words. And I, whenever I teach these, I beg of people never to forget them, because they will get you safely through almost any spiritual darkness we may ever undergo. In time of desolation, never make a change. I'll say it again. In time of desolation, when you feel discouraged, there's no energy for prayer, you don't feel God's closeness, uh, you're struggling in the spiritual life, never make a change in that situation to anything you'd plan to do before that desolation began. You plan to go on that retreat this weekend. You plan to go to confession at 4 o'clock on Saturday. You normally say evening prayer from the liturgy of the hours when you get home from work. You normally pray in the evening for maybe 10-15 minutes as you close the day. And in time of desolation, the enemy will attack those plans. Never change anything you'd plan to do in the spiritual life when you know you're in a time of desolation. I can't tell you, Adam, how grateful I am to those eight words in my own life, and I could go on endlessly. That's just one of the tools he gives us. As you say that, Father, I think of times in my life where I have been in a state of grave sin, and I've resolved I need to go to confession this weekend, and, and I make the plan exactly where I'm going to go, when I'm going to go, how I'm going to get there, and then that desolation sinks in, and that temptation becomes so large to say, you know, Adam, you're just, you, you could go to confession, but you're just going to fall right back into this serious sin again. What's the point? Why bother? Just change your plan. You're never going to make it. And that's exactly what Ignatius is saying to us. Don't don't fall into that. You had the plan to go to confession. Go to confession. Exactly. And what you did, Adam, there was uh, what you just described. You know these inner voices we hear that say, "Yeah, make your effort, but you know yourself, you're too weak. You know nothing's going to ever change. Why get your hopes up and think?" All of that Ignatius describes in great with great clarity in the second of his rules. So that's the person who is trying to take steps to get close to God and love the Lord, and that'll be the discouraging voice that a person hears. You know, just the other day, I uh, met a man whose wife is undergoing the formation to become a third-order Carmelite, 
And um, in the course of it, as he got this, and maybe it was the better part of a year of the training, I'm not sure. And the point came when she got just really discouraged about it. Maybe I can't do this. Maybe I should just withdraw. And her husband, who knew this Rule 5, in time of desolation, never make a change, uh, explained to her that this was not the time for her to make a change, and she wound up going forward with it. But that's just one of endless illustrations. There are certain ways to think in time of desolation that are going to strengthen us. Ignatius in Rule 13 will say, don't be alone with it. Find a wise spiritual person. Talk about it. Rule 14, we're all susceptible in some ways more than others. Learn what those are and uh, shore them up. So I just can't uh, recommend enough that like so many increasingly um, hundreds, well, hundreds of thousands at least, and probably many more, people are learning and using these rules that uh, our listeners consider getting to know them. Wonderful. Well, Father, if I can throw you just a little bit of a curveball here, because we, we've been sure. talking about desolation and that that reality that we are sinners, and we shouldn't you know, take pride in that, but we also shouldn't be so discouraged that we presume that God would never forgive us. Um, you have a quote at the end of your email signature from Venerable Bruno Lanteri that says, If I should fall... Were it even a thousand times, I will not lose courage, I will not be troubled, but I will always say immediately with peace, now I begin. I wonder if you could just share for a moment why you share that on your email, why that's so important to you. Well, I'm so glad you picked up on that. You know how we get to points in the spiritual life when we just have keep falling into the same things, and maybe we go to confession and nothing seems to get better. I want to be more patient with my children. I want to be a better spouse. I want to bring Christ uh, with me into the world when I go into to work or be more um, of an example in living my life in the church, prayer, whatever it might be. And we get discouraged. And there's that voice that you described so well. You know, what's the point? Uh, you're never really going to change. And here is Venerable Bruno Lanteri who says, no, just the opposite. If I should fall, this was a personal spiritual proposal, which he later gave to many others, and they loved. If I should fall, uh, and just keep falling, again, even a thousand times, a thousand times with peace in my heart, I will turn to the Lord, ask His forgiveness, if I need it, a forgiveness He delights to give, and then begin again. This simple begin again can give so much hope to us in the spiritual life. What it says is this, there is nowhere we can ever have been in our lives nothing we can ever have done in our lives or even be doing in our lives that can ever stop us right now from turning to God, asking for a forgiveness if, if we need it, that He, as they say, loves to give, and then begin again. And that's available to all of us, and there's so much hope in that. So thank you for raising that. The only time it's too late to begin again, friends, is when you've drawn your last breath and you're no longer alive. You can't begin again then. So every time you fall into that trap of sin in this life, reach out to the Lord for his grace and begin again. Father, this has been a beautiful conversation for us today. Um, as we've said, we could fill show after show after show talking about this, but we don't have the time this morning. So could I ask, is there a place our listeners could go to find more materials on Ignatian spirituality, these 14 rules, and, and some of the things you've shared with us today? Sure. If I'll mention two resources. Uh, one is the Discerning Hearts website or app. It's a free resource and well worth getting to know. And if you download the app, let's say, and tap on Spiritual Formation, uh, my name will come up, tap on that, 
and I have a number of series on discernment there, one of which is entitled Discernment of Spirits, and that would be the one where we deal with these 14 rules. I think it's 16 half-hour podcasts. And then I've done a number of books on this, too, which you can find on my website, which is just FR for Father, frtimothygallagher.org, and everything is given there. Wonderful. Father, could I ask you to close us out with a prayer? Sure. Heavenly Father, Lord Jesus, Holy Spirit, we lift up our hearts in praise and gratitude and blessing. And we ask that you pour out your love and grace upon these words we have shared and listened to and make them fruitful in our hearts. And Mary, we lift up this prayer through all the tenderness and love of your mother's heart. Amen. Amen. Father Timothy Gallagher, thank you so much for being with us this morning. You're listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Let's go to Mike Roberts for one more check of the weather, and then Patty Schneier will join us for our daily dose of encouragement. Yesterday we talked about the uniqueness of where the inspiration of the Holy Spirit might lead each of us. Today we continue to talk about following the inspiration of the Holy Spirit here on the Daily Dose of Encouragement. Well, we are unpacking a little book. It's a short read. It's a great read by Father Jacques Philippe. It's called In the School of the Holy Spirit, about learning to be open to receive the inspirations of the Holy Spirit. So he says this in his book, inspirations from the Holy Spirit are not an optional extra in the spiritual life. It is a matter of greatest importance to welcome them into our lives. So then the question becomes, so what's going to enable us to let the inspiration of the Holy Spirit take place in us? How can we enable to get, how do we get them? I guess is the best question. How can I get these inspirations of the Holy Spirit? How can I recognize them? How can I put them into practice? So Father Jacques Philippe gives us a lot of different ways. And I'm going to share three today, three tomorrow, and four the next day. First of all, he says this, practice praise and thanksgiving. It's gratitude. When we are grateful for the graces and the inspirations that he's already given us, when someone is grateful, well, then you want to give that person more. So just start by being grateful for the inspirations you have received from the Holy Spirit in your life. Secondly, he says, you got to desire and ask for them. Come right out and ask for the inspiration of the Holy Spirit. Lord, I need your help. I need inspiration from the Holy Spirit. Again, pray for those seven gifts of the Holy Spirit. Come out and ask and desire the Holy Spirit to inspire you. Thirdly, he says we got to resolve to refuse God nothing. Meaning, if he gives us an inspiration, we have to say, okay, Lord, if you give me an inspiration, I will follow it. Determine to obey God in all things, whether it's a big thing or a small thing. It could be the tiniest little thing of do this today. Do this today. Don't do that. Maybe you need to say this to this person. Just be inspired to whatever the Holy Spirit, you feel the Holy Spirit leading you. Say, okay, Lord, I'm not going to refuse you. I'm going to I'm going to follow through. Those are the first three ways that we can enable the Holy Spirit to start acting in our life. Patty, you make me think of the times I'm trying to take my children somewhere, and I know that where we're going is a good place, but they doubt and say, I I don't want to go with you there, Dad. I don't want to follow you there. But for us, we have to practice that ourselves, to follow wherever the inspiration of the Holy Spirit is leading us. I look forward to the next three things tomorrow. Well, what a show we've had for you today. There's a lot to digest there, but I think the uh, most important thing is rely 
upon the Holy Spirit. And as Noel Garcia reminded us, don't just have an academic relationship with the Holy Spirit, but come to know the Holy Spirit, how the Holy Spirit is working in your life. Have an intimate relationship with the Holy Spirit, with the Father, with the Son. So that is, I mean, wow, it's a lot to digest today. One last reminder this morning that Friday is First Friday, so start planning now. Where are you going to go to Mass? Do you need to go to confession before you go to Mass? When are you going to do that? Do you have time to do that today? If not, do you need to go tomorrow morning? Is there morning confession at your parish? If not tomorrow morning, what about Friday morning? Now, I like to err on the side of caution to say, I'm going to plan. If I need to go, I'm going to plan to go today, and if I can't go today, then I have tomorrow morning as a backup, and then if something really falls apart, then I'll go Friday morning. Um, I don't like to plan on, oh, I'll just go Friday morning, because what happens if you're running late? What happens if you get stuck in traffic? You, you want to have that plan. You want to be prepared. Um, so have that plan. Friday, go to Mass, receive our Lord worthily in Holy Communion, which means you got to go to confession if you need to, and then pray in honor of the Sacred Heart or in reparation for sins against the Sacred Heart, or as I like to do, both. Um, Saturday, same thing, first Saturday devotion. Make a good confession, and you can go to confession once this week for both. You don't have to go to confession twice, two days apart. One confession in proximity. Um, Receive Holy Communion on Saturday. Pray the rosary. Meditate for 15 minutes upon the mysteries of the rosary in honor of the Immaculate Heart of our Blessed Mother. Now, with everything going on, I do want to put something on your radar screen, a little save the date, if you will. Next month, July I know, it's weird to think we're already talking about July. July 8th through 10th, the relics of St. Bernadette are touring through the United States. And I I, I hate to say it like that, but I I don't have another way to say it. They're traveling through the United States, visiting 32 parishes and 26 dioceses. And they will be here in St. Louis at the Old Cathedral and the Cardinal Regali Center, July 8th through 10th. We'll be talking about that a little bit later on this month. But for now, save the date, July 8th through 10th, an opportunity to visit an opportunity to venerate the relics of St. Bernadette. Let's pray. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. All glory be to the Father, and to the Son, and to the Holy Spirit, as it was in the beginning, is now, and ever shall be, world without end. Amen. O sacred heart of Jesus, I place my trust in you. O sacred heart of Jesus, I believe in your love for me. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Amen. I want to thank Noel Garcia, Father Gallagher, and Archbishop Rosansky for taking the time to be with us this morning. Friday's Roadmap Roundup. Friday, we'll be talking about Pentecost and more. Until then, for Covenant Network, I'm Adam Wright. You've been listening to Roadmap to Heaven. Pray your rosary today.